Chronicles of the Awakened is a story-based podcast and is a work of fiction, narrated and created by J.A. LaRock. You can find this podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere where podcasts are found. Previously on Chronicles of the Awakened. Having completed the retrieval of Vincent, Chase comes head to head with Lucia, an evil demonic that reminds her of the failures of her past. Chase thinks back on that time when she performed the retrieval with her mentor Mia and a new recruit Renee. During the retrieval, they discovered that the soul apparently came back from the afterlife, something no one thought was possible. And now, chapter 25, Core Differences. Renee's hands begin to shake. Her breathing increases to a rapid pace. She turns and walks away from the others towards a pile of discarded lumber a few feet away. Renee bends over, placing her hands on top of it for support. Her mouth slightly opens. She appears to be crying, yet no tears fall from her eyes. I've never heard of this happening before, Lola says through her communication device. Normally, Lola, head of the angelic science research, would be quick to answer. Her powerful mind is only matched by her strong will. Confident, extremely brilliant, and dangerously sarcastic, she is the perfect partner to Jonathan, not only in their work with the angelics, but in their afterlife as husband and wife. I am accessing Naveen's archives, but there is nothing there about this, Lola continues. You should bring him in as soon as possible. If he did pass on, then either someone pulled him from the beyond, or wherever he went is no longer viable. This has the potential to become catastrophic, Jonathan exclaims. From what we know, after we perform a retrieval, the soul passes on. This is where our job ends. We have no access to their afterlife, and neither should the demonics. However, since we are only here because of the incident, it is possible that just as the angels disappeared, so has the afterlife. Renee slowly brushes her fingers across the lumber. While her breathing has returned to normal, she rem- remains hunched over, extremely distraught. Mia looks over to Chase. Leaning against the discarded crates, Mia can feel her agitation. Her concern, however, is not about Chase. Turning to Renee, Mia can feel the energy within Renee's body destabilizing. Mia glances down at Francisco as she walks over to Renee. She places her hand on Renee's shoulder. Renee jumps as if startled by her touch. Fully able to read the life energy within Renee's body, Mia is able to feel what Renee feels and attempts to stabilize it. I'm sorry, Renee. Mia says softly. I did not know that this could happen. Renee looks behind her shoulder at Mia. Looking into her eyes, Renee knows Mia's words are true and sincere. For her, that does not change the fact that the fear within her 
is that she made a mistake in becoming an angelic. If something happened to the afterlife, Renee softly says, turning away from Mia, then we could never pass on. Everything we sacrificed would be for nothing. We don't know that something has happened to it, Mia says, trying her best to sound confident. There is so much we do not know about what lies beyond the vortex. It is possible he returned to the negative mirror. Renee spins around to Mia. Her eyes are filled with a panic Mia has never seen before in an angelic. Renee grabs Mia by the arm, trembling, but her grip is so powerful. Renee's heavy breathing returns. Mia can feel Renee's life energy destabilizing again. No, th that can't be, Renee gasps. You're supposed to... You're supposed to find peace and happiness in your afterlife. What about your friends and family and loved ones? Who would turn away from that? Who would want to live like this if they had the choice? You need to believe that, don't you? Chase says. Is it because you wanted to die? Mia looks sternly over to Chase, taking Renee's hand. Mia tries once again to stabilize her life energy. Renee stares silently at Chase, puzzled by her question. Her time with Chase has been short, only becoming an angelic a year prior. She has only seen Chase in passing, with one training session being the exception. Knowing little of Chase's past, the small tidbits she was able to learn from Mia made it clear that Chase's life and death were horrible. During training sessions, Mia would often comment on the fact that Renee was able to remain calm during combat training, something Chase was unable to do. The anger within Chase gave her great power, but it came with a price. Chase's rage would often lead to her recklessness. Her lack of control and patience would often cause her to make mistakes that could cause harm to herself as well as her teammates. Though only spending a short time with Chase, Renee knew there was a deep-rooted anger within her. Even with her inexperience, she could feel an aura of dark energy radiating from her body, and it scared her. I... I didn't want to die, Renee says depressingly. I was happy with my life. I could forgive him. He gave his life too. We were supposed to be together in our afterlife, but I... I don't care, Chase says coldly. Lola said there is nothing on this. We don't know what happened here. We need to wake him up and take him back to the campus. Chase approaches Francisco and kneels down next to him. As she places her hand on his chest, her eyes begin to glow. Mia releases Renee's hand, turning quickly towards Chase. Feeling a new surge of energy from within Francisco's body, Mia, in a flash of light, disappears, reappearing next to Chase. Chase's body begins to convulse as Francisco's life energy courses through her body. Mia pulls Chase off of Francisco, 
Chase falls backwards, her back slamming against the ground. What the hell was that? Chase gasps. Something else happened to him. I could feel it. His, his energy. It's incredible. Mia extends her hand to help Chase to her feet. Chase draws her legs to her chest. Rolling back slightly, she places her hands on the ground alongside her head and thrusts her legs upward and outward, pushing up off from the floor, landing on her feet. Mia turns her back to Chase and speaks into her wrist communicator. Jonathan, open a gateway. We need to get out of here, Mia says. This soul's energy is in a state of flux. I am certain it will draw the demonics out. Acknowledged, Jonathan responds. Give me a moment, please. Renee walks over towards Francisco, stopping midway towards him. She looks down at his body. He is still lying unconscious, breathing slowly. Feeling the energy radiating off of his body, Renee's hands shake. She can feel his distress, and something else she cannot yet comprehend. Placing her hands together, she holds them near her waist and lowers her head. He's in pain, Renee says. He should be at peace, not being taken and turned into a soldier, you know? Chase glares at Renee, angered by her comment. From the moment Chase learned of Renee's retrieval, she has felt that Renee should not have been allowed to become an angelic. Breaking into the records office, Chase learned about Renee's lack of combat ability and her unstable life energy signatures. Feeling she was unworthy and unable to perform the task of an angelic, Chase kept her distance, not wanting to even speak to her. We should not put our burdens on him, Renee continues. He may not even want to become an angelic, but because he was a soldier, he may join out of some sense of obligation. I know that I- Shut up! Chase yells. Just shut up! Chase storms over to Renee. Mia turns, taking a step forward to intervene then stops, choosing to watch carefully instead. Renee stares at Chase, seeing the anger in her eyes. She realizes she made a mistake, mentioning the possibility of a soul turning down an offer to become an angelic. It has only happened once before. During Chase's first retrieval, a human soul with immense life energy chose to pass on to the afterlife instead of becoming an angelic. Before the soul's memories of the experience were wiped, he told them that he gave his life in service to humanity, but had no allegiance to anyone in the afterlife. Mia told Renee during one of their training sessions that the soul had enough energy to become a powerful angelic. Though it saddened Mia that the soul did not wish to join after learning of the fight to protect human souls and the war against the demonics, she could accept that it was the soul's right to choose. Chase, on the other hand, did not feel that way and had become extremely upset. She felt that someone with power should use it to protect those that did not have power. And by deciding not to help, 
was as bad as becoming a demonic. Chase refused to return to the negative mirror with the soul and spent the next few months training alone. When she finally reemerged, she told Mia that she would become the most powerful angelic so that she would never need to depend on anyone else to help her fight against the demonics. You dare use a word like taken and then talk about our burden as if you know what our burden is, Chase says adamantly. We don't take souls. We're not demonics who rip the life energy from the dead and turn them into mindless shells. We give people a choice. You're right. This man is a soldier. I knew a man like him. They don't turn from an opportunity like this. They are not cowards who wish to flee and hide while others fight. They don't turn away from their duty. But that's just it. This isn't our duty, Renee retorts. Gabriel said so himself. This wasn't how our afterlife was supposed to be. We were supposed to be at peace, not fighting against other human souls. You say you knew a man like him, but you don't know this man. He is an alliance soldier, yes? He suffered and died for what he believed in. But what else do you know? You don't know what he wants? Who is waiting for him beyond the vortex? We don't know how many loved ones he has lost, how many people he left behind. If he wishes to pass on, then that is his right to do so, and no one should question or look down at him because of it. Chase balls her left hand into a fist. With her right hand, she grips her sword hilt tightly. Memories of the soul who rejected their offer flood into her mind. Chase's eyes begin to glow brightly. Even Renee can feel the rage and anger within Chase's body. Mia remains silent. She checks her watch-like device, waiting for Jonathan's portal. What do you know of duty? Chase yells. You filled your mind with dreams of some heavenly afterlife because you cannot accept that when the man you love drove you off that cliff, he was not just committing suicide, he was committing murder as well. You looked for any reason to forgive him because you are weak. I don't know what Lola and Mia saw in you. You bring nothing to our cause. You wish you never became angelic, and so do I. That's enough, Mia yells. Walk away, Chase. Chase glares at Mia for a moment before turning and storming away. Mia sighs and begins to pursue her when Francisco opens his eyes, screaming. Mia drops to her knees. Laying her hands upon his chest, an aura of right light surrounds them. Mia's eyes glow for only a moment as she channels her life energy into Francisco's body. Renee returns to the pile of discarded crates and leans against them. Chase's words have deeply wounded her. From the moment she agreed to become an angelic, she felt she was not up to the task. After learning about the offensive powers the angelics used to fight against the demonics, Renee believed she would be a burden because in her heart, she was never a fighter. There were many nights in the past where Renee felt she had made a mistake in becoming an angelic. During her combat training, she was unable to maintain the required energy level to use her weapons. Mia spent countless hours training her so she would qualify to go on retrievals. 
Only knowing the pain of death and the loneliness of being trapped within the negative mirror gave Renee the strength to pass her basic training. Her thoughts often turned to her boyfriend, who until he killed them both, believed he was the love of her life. She never saw anything in him that would cause her to worry or doubt. There was no warning, even as they spun around the cliffs near the Alps in Italy. Renee believed they would soon be married, spending their life together forever. In an instant, he veered off the road, smashing through the guardrail. Renee could not catch her breath to scream. He turned to her, his eyes an eerie calm. There were no words spoken as their car fell to the rocky valley below. After being retrieved, Renee spent most of her time with Naveen hoping her specialized knowledge would be able to assist her in finding answers. Though never giving up, Naveen told Renee she may never find a reason and should be prepared for that. As Renee read through the logs of the retrieved souls, she discovered a disturbing pattern. Most of the souls were killed by someone close to them, someone they trusted and loved. This realization led to more questions and a self-revelation that she did not belong among the angelics. Every angelic Renee has met had a reason to fight. Each had a power within them and the will to use it to fight against their enemies. Renee believed she had no power and no will to fight. She cared about the souls who needed protection, but knew that would not be of any help to her team. However, she also knew once you become an angelic, you can never pass on to the afterlife. There was no turning back. It was a revelation that brought forth something she never thought she would feel in her afterlife. Anger. What happened to me? Francisco asked, still disoriented. Where, where's my unit? Mia stands helping Francisco to his feet. He takes a look around the warehouse, surprised by how it has changed since he had last seen it. Francisco's eyes gaze upon Renee, leaning against the crates. Instantly, he feels a connection with her. Francisco reaches out his hand, as if trying to touch her from across the room. He staggers. Mia grabs hold of him. It's okay, Mia says softly. Relax. Clear your mind and you will have some of the answers you seek. Chase watches Mia and Francisco from across the room. Her thoughts of Renee are replaced with memories of the power she felt when touching Francisco's body. For an instant, she was connected with him and within his body was a power she had never felt before. There are many questions she wanted to ask him, but she is well aware it could be weeks or months, if ever, before his energy levels will stabilize enough to answer them. Francisco kneels, closing his eyes. Mia's life energy coursing through his body allows him to focus and understand what is happening to him. A process known as integration, Mia's life energy interacts with Francisco's, communicating with it. Information is transferred between the two energy forces given Francisco basic knowledge on the retrieval process and what has happened since his death. Originally, when a soul was retrieved, it would be up to the angelic to talk to the soul. It could take several hours just to explain to a soul 
that its physical body had died and their life energy had become trapped within the negative mirror. It was Naveen that first discovered that the knowledge and experiences of an angelic could be passed on in small amounts to a newly retrieved soul. This allowed a soul to stabilize quickly in order to pass through the vortex or to be taken to become an angelic. With this breakthrough, more angelics could perform retrievals and in turn less human souls were taken by the demonics. Francisco's eyes opened, glowing a bright shining white. Though he's unaware of this, the knowledge from Mia's energy matrix has successfully integrated with his own. Mia remained silent, her thoughts focused on the possibility that Francisco was retrieved before or somehow passed through the vortex by himself. Mia knows from her many retrievals that most souls will first react to the cause of their death. Since most souls needing retrieval in the first place are those that experience the traumatic death, it is no surprise their first words would be screams or cries. Many souls call out to loved ones, dead or left behind in the world of the living. Mia has heard many things out of the mouths of retrieved souls. She believes she heard it all. She was wrong. It sent me back, Francisco whispered. Mia's eyes widened, surprised by Francisco's words. Behind her in a large open area of the warehouse, a ripple forms in midair. Chase watches as a distortion in space forms. A tear in reality opens. Renee squints her eyes as flashing waves of light begin to pour from the opening. We're done here, Chase says, walking towards the portal. This would have been worth it if... That's not my portal, Jonathan yells in a panic through the communicators. Mia quickly stands facing the portal. She waves her hand behind her at Chase, motioning for her to stop. Renee runs behind Mia, her hands clenched together. Francisco stares at the portal in a trance as a crimson-colored light intermixes with the white energy. The multicolored light continues to pour out from the portal, covering the warehouse in an eerie glow. One by one, six robed humanoids exit the portal and line up on the left and right of the opening, each holding gladius-shaped swords. Their blades created with a dark red energy, their glowing red eyes staring blankly ahead as if waiting for their next command. Mia watches as Lucia exits the portal. It is clear by Mia's shocked expression that she knows Lucia well. Holding her formed sword at the ready, Lucia smiles at the sight of Mia. She stands silently looking across the warehouse, her eyes settling on Francisco, who looks back at her amazed at what he has just witnessed. Chase's eyes lock onto Lucia, Gripping her sword handle, she can tell the power within Lucia is great, though she does not know who she is. Renee backs away, not wanting the others to see her fear. You know this demonic? Chase says to Mia, noticing her changed expression. Who is she? Yes. Her name is Lucia, Mia says. She is the head of demonic retrievals and leader of the demonic shell army. Lucia glances past Chase and Renee. She is able to read their life energy from clear across the room. Feeling their lack of power, 
Lucia does not consider them worth her attention. Her eyes settle upon Mia, whose hands rest on her waist, ready to pull her hilts from behind her in a moment's notice. Mia, can you hear me? Jonathan says. Something is destabilizing the life energy in your area. I cannot open a portal or send any assistance. Lola and I are working on a solution, but you will need to hold on until we find an answer. Mia does not respond, not wanting to give any information to Lucia. She can feel the rage building up within Chase and the fear within Renee. Francisco remains transfixed on Lucille, as if mesmerized by her presence. Lucia crosses her arms, her smile growing wider. There is a history between Lucia and Mia. The spark of energy within their eyes tells a story of confrontation and death. Lucia realizes she has the upper hand. Mia is saddled with two inexperienced angelics and a newly retrieved soul. Lucia's demonic shells remain frozen in place, ready to attack on her command. It has been too long, Mia, Lucia says. We have unfinished business, you and I. Why don't you send the children to bed so the grown-ups can chat? Chase takes a step forward. Pulling her hilt from her holster, she outstretches her hand, forming her blade. Chase's eyes flare with righteous energy as she points her sword towards Lucia. Child! Lucia screams. I'll show you what this child can do. No! Mia yells. Mia knows she is in a dangerous situation. Lucia's energy levels have increased dramatically since their last encounter. With Renee's lack of fighting experience and Chase's unpredictability, Mia will need to not only fend off against Lucia and the demonic shells, but protect her teammates as well as Francisco. You heard Jonathan, Chase says. We can't run. We have to fight. Mia looks behind her at Chase. She knows Chase wants nothing more than to engage the enemy, but that course of action would prove fatal against the demonic of Lucia's power. Reaching behind her back with both of her hands, Mia pulls twin katana-style hilts from their holsters. Holding them at her side, Mia forms twin katana-style blades of pure white energy. Mia turns her attention back to Lucia. She can feel the confidence radiating off of Lucia's body and knows it is warranted. Mia learned long ago from Sean to evaluate her enemy, to gauge their strength and decide to fight or flee. In this instance, there is no chance to flee, no place to run. Mia knows she cannot defeat Lucia at her current level, but that revelation makes no difference. She is the leader of the team and her mission was clear. Saving the human soul is paramount. Mia is prepared to give her life so that her teammates and the soul can survive. Her only hope is that she can hold out long enough for Jonathan to get the others to safety. No, Chase, you're wrong. It is I who have to fight. Next week, Chapter 26.